Welcome to the Privateer Podcast, an educational and informational podcast brought to you by the folks at Privateer Rum. I'm Maggie Campbell, the president and head distiller of Privateer Rum, and today I'll be chatting with Christian Seal. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm here with Christian Seal. And first, I'm just going to ask, hey, Christian, would you introduce yourself and what it is you do for work, who you are, all those good things for people who might not be familiar? Yeah, no, no problem. So, so yeah, my name is Christian Seal. Um, I'm actually working in Italy for, for Velier, uh, which is a local distributor here, but also a private bottler and brand uh, company as well internationally, probably known through Luca Gargano. Uh, my role actually is mainly focused on the Italian market, so I'm the marketing manager, and so I just look after all the marketing of the spirit brands at Bevier. And uh, we have some pretty big uh, portfolios from William Grants to, to Edrington to SBI, uh, Zamora, Fever Tree. So it's actually a very, uh, very exciting work, very busy work. Um, I think, is there anything else you're looking for? Is it strange that so many people in the rum world and in the spirits business know your family so well and your parents and probably talk to you about, oh, I just saw your dad or <laughs> your mom said this. Is that ever a strange thing? Yes and no. I mean, it's quite fun. I mean, I should have said that on the other part. So, so the family side of the business is from rum with Foursquare. So my father is Richard Seal. Um, it's, it's a bit surreal at times, but it's a lot of fun because I know my mom is always out there uh, and she's super extroverted and super engaging and like she loves what she does. And it's always great to hear very positive feedback from everybody that I meet about my uh, parents. So it's actually, it's, a bit, it's inspiring and it's uh, somewhat a little nerve wracking that I need to live. I've got big shoes to fill uh, from both of them. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I don't know that I would want everyone I kind of work with to know my parents so well and, and hear uh, all, uh, all about my life and, and all those things. You know, uh, I love how sweetly your mom uh, speaks on both of you and, and uh, it's always so sweet to uh, hear how excited she is um, to share what it is you're up to with work and stuff. But I'm also always wondering, I wonder if it's weird for Christian if the next time I call him, I'm like, so anyways, what's up with this? <laughs> well, no, I don't think they're, they're not, they never say anything bad. I mean. Oh, of course, of course. They're they're, so they're, they're, I, hope, I hope they're not telling any of, you know, the baby stories. I haven't had anybody come and uh, address those things, which is, I would say is a positive. Yeah, I think your parents are so respectful. <laughs> um, they're deeply well-mannered. Um, I don't know if you saw my um, post about the dream I had two nights ago that I yes. sent your mom. I sent your mom when I woke it up and when I woke up and that your dad said that the crossword puzzle was careless. And I was like, that's the most Richard thing. <laughs> yeah, no, when I read that, I was like, that is very much Because <laughs> he's, he's, he's very gentle in the way that he, he will find, um, I would say like errors or anything that uh, doesn't quite make sense. Because he's very logical, very, very intelligent and straightforward in his thinking. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that firsthand when he's given me feedback that's made me a better distiller. He's very clear and direct and honest without 
you know, being cruelly intended. And I appreciate it so much. I prefer that above all of this sort of couched, half kind, insincere stuff. Um, but this podcast is about you and us uh, and our friendship and and what we're going to talk about today. So uh, Christian and I met a few years ago at Tales. I think that's the first time we met, but we really got to know each other on a trip I took to Italy. The first time I went to meet Luca, uh, you were so polite and so generous meeting me at my hotel basically being my translator the whole time I was there every day, <laughs> making sure I knew where to get the best food and the best meals, sharing so many wonderful meals. And I'm a little sad because right now I'm supposed to be on my way to visit you. And we are supposed to be, I think it was next weekend, we were going to like escape, drive down the coast, yeah. Cinque Terre, have like a little Italian vacation. And I had it Maggie comes to visit Genoa Saturday the 28th. <laughs> canceled by risk. <laughs> <laughs> canceled. So, um, you know, we were lucky enough to spend Christmas together this last year. It was so wonderful to have Christmas dinner with your grandparents and your whole family. Um, have kind of a really amazing mix of Barbadian food and traditional Christmas meal. Um, I loved that the Brussels sprouts cost like an arm and a leg, but it was like a special treat we wanted to have for the holiday dinner. Um, but yeah, so we've been really lucky to get to have some adventures together, but obviously right now I'm not coming to visit you, uh, because for anyone who might be listening to this at a later date, we are in the midst of the coronavirus and Italy, where you are, is on day 12 of your lockdown. and so. You know, it's been a big change of life for all of us, but it's always been, you know, for me checking in with you over this past while, seeing that, you know, you guys are sort of ahead of us in this timeline and you've been so generous to offer advice about, you know, have a daily schedule, make sure you're doing these things, you know, keep a clear head, take a class. Mm. Uh, it's been really, really good guidance for me. Um, how's the experience for you right now? Uh, I should say it's only, it's only day 12 just for me. There's actually a lot of other Italians who I think are in like day 14, day 15, and some even longer when they first kind of locked down Milan only. Um, so it's going to be day 12 for the national, national lockdown. Um, it has been a very surreal moment because I think like everybody else, we just kind of watched it slowly emerge from, from China and just all of a sudden progressively get worse. Then it hits the, then it gets into the country. And today was the first day that the kind of civil protection, civil defense guys are out with the loudspeakers, you know, pumping like stay in your homes, only exit if you need to, or if you have a necessity. Um, you have to have like paperwork signed by the police to go out if you're going to go anywhere beyond the supermarket. Um, so it's definitely, I mean, it's like you're in a movie. But then you're now starting to get more stories as more people are starting to get impacted by it. So actually a colleague, um, he was directly impacted by this from the, I don't want to comment so much on his story, but it is getting closer to each individual. And the only thing I would stress, even for people who are going to listen now, is that it is a serious thing to stay home, wash your hands and look after yourselves. Um, because the, right now, it leaves on the front lines and the doctors are, are struggling, our hospitals are struggling. 
there, there is a lot of really bad situations where they are choosing who gets to be treated and who doesn't. So, and that's like the risk even for us, that if we're staying at home, being healthy, but then we cut ourselves or we trip doing an exercise, and there isn't a hospital for us to go to, right? Yeah. So that's the, the kind of uh, scary situation. But moving, yeah. be, as I say, moving beyond the negative or the scary and negative aspects of it, it is definitely we all have to overcome the, the fear or the panic of this situation. And it's not easy, even I still find myself being a little afraid day to day, but having a routine or trying to improve yourself, doing online courses, connecting with friends around the world that you might not be able to connect with, or you haven't been able to speak to them often. Um, I think this also presents a very big opportunity for a lot of people. I know there's others who are, are struggling, especially in our industry with the hospitality sector, but I think it can also be seen as a silver lining to, you know, you're now being given some time to, to think and be creative and you're not being blocked or busy or tired. And so it's about taking the, the, that time and opportunity we have to, to figure things out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it, I, I always try to remind myself, like, it's so much bigger than us we are not in control over whether or not this things happens. All we can do is do what we can do with it. And I think that you and I are, we're always talking about, you know, opportunity and seeing things in a new light and what's working and what's not working um, is so important to us in our fields and how we train our brains uh, every day. And so I feel really fortunate that, yeah, finding the opportunity in it, you know, we often, we often joke uh, as a distilling team that, you know, kind of like that episode of The Office where it's The Office in the U.S. where it says, uh, you know, everything we don't want to do, we have to call it an opportunity. Um, and so my assistant distiller, right when this started happening, texted me like, this is an opportunity to, <laughs> I kind of, that's always our joke. Like, I really appreciate the opportunity to clean the restroom. Uh, so it's, <laughs> It's like, you know, just trying to do what we can with what we can. You know, it's, it's a good reminder, I think, in our wild world that, you know, life has been hard for a lot of people for a long time now, especially in the U.S. under our leadership. Um, and it's a good reminder that, you know, we can't set ourselves on fire to save others. We can do what we can and we can, you know, get perspective on how can we organize. Um, I think this is an incredible time for, especially for hospitality workers to, to organize. I think this is an incredible opportunity. And then of course, just globally, my heart breaks for, you know, immigrants and undocumented workers who, especially in the food and beverage industry, are not given the support, um, especially here in the US, of any of our social systems and are really in, you know, a compromised situation. And, and the fact that so many folks in the U S don't have healthcare, I think that's going to end up being an important part about how this affects us. You know, this isn't China, this isn't Italy, this isn't Spain. We don't have healthcare. They're saying, you know, the average cost of treatment is going to be $10,000. And if you have, you know, complications up around 20,000, um, and that's going to be something that stays with us for a while. So 
again, I, I see this as an opportunity to organize and the opportunity uh, for those things. And yeah, I absolutely hear you on, you know, the everyday accident that you would just go to a doctor for has, has changed. So yeah, it's an intense situation. And um, I'm so thankful that you're taking this time to talk with us um, about, you know, everything while this is going on. And I've really loved that about our conversations we've had in the last, you know, few weeks that, you know, we can have some fun conversations and laugh and be silly and make jokes. Um, and also then kind of get a little more serious and check in about what's really going on. So hopefully today's podcast can be a little bit of a mix of both and we can share this for everyone who's out there. But when I came to see you in Genoa, um, I was a huge fan of actually getting to experience, you know, aperitivo culture firsthand. I think that's something I really enjoyed. I've read about it. Um, you know, I like to make some spritz at home, but that was something I really took home with me. And I really love that just a couple days ago, uh, you and me and one of our industry friends over in Madrid, um, all got on a video chat together and had a little aperitivo hour at home, which of course was nice and early in the morning for me. So it was a little refreshing <laughs> brunch spritz. <laughs> Um, but would you share a little bit about like aperitivo culture and what it's like in Italy and what you love about it? And then a little bit about how you've taken that culture into drinking while at home. Yeah. So I, I, I never knew actually what aperitivo was until I came to Italy and then fell in love with the, with the concept. And I think it really needs to be translated to the, to the rest of the world. Although I do understand Italy has some benefits with it. So the whole concept of the aperitivo is you're going to go out to to your local bar or even like a restaurant and order some wine maybe a spritz or a cocktail i mean for us event here was always we always go for the cocktail before before beer um and you get a little bit of food with it and you're usually there with a great group of friends and you'll see italians all in the cocktail bars in groups of four up to eight and Italy is a very social country and you don't really have a whole lot of drinking at home because everybody goes out, everybody's out, everyone's enjoying themselves. It's usually between like seven until nine, 10 o'clock that you're kind of mingling, chatting, you're nibbling on some food. You also judge your bar on how good uh, the aperitivo is sometimes. So if, some, if you only just get like a little bowl of chips, it's not the most fantastic <laughs> aperitivo. Um, but typically you can get like a little pizza, a little focaccia, like some uh, prosciutto. Um, but it's just the, the social aspect of it. So even when you came, you can do it as a twosome as well. You just go with a good friend, you go with a group, but it gives you a more relaxed atmosphere to just enjoy life, have a nice drink and experience it rather than, you know, you're rushing for a coffee or you're at work or it's like a business lunch. Uh, it's much more, chill in a way i don't know if i explain it and i, I hope i explain it right so many italians want to challenge like you stand to be correct <laughs> um, yeah i kind of loved the like the golden hour of it you know um that the light when it's just after work it's like this gorgeous golden color like butterscotch all over the cobblestone streets um these beautiful you know spritzes that are like this neon orange in the glass like that for me was a big part of it was the uh the visual taking in of it, you know, sitting on that 
uh, all the different patios and the cobblestone streets and just, yeah, these gorgeous colors and little snacks and smells, the focaccia. Oh my goodness, like life-changing. I remember getting <laughs> focaccia at the airport and being like, this is the best I've ever had. Um, but yeah, so, you know, something, a word I always think of when I think of like my time and my trips to, you know, Italy, especially, but also France and other areas is the conviviality, you know, the togetherness that I think is so important in Italian culture. And I think in moving this aperitivo hour or period of the day home, how has that been impacted? Oh, I... Not sure for the others, but uh, what you're starting to see is a lot more people are trying to do it as a digital aperitivo. So everyone's kind of going online, they're having the big group chats, and everyone's having their spritz, a glass of wine, making some cocktails. And, and it's very nice. I mean, I've, I follow a lot of the guys uh, from the office here, and you're seeing everybody is, they're figuring out a way, making simple cocktails, but it's still, you don't want to lose that normal, the normalcy of it all, right? You don't want to lose that experience of you. So everyone thinks it's trying to keep that memory alive uh, at home. So even for, for me here, I've got a little bar at home, a cocktail kit at home, so I keep it simple. I might make like a little Negroni every now and then, just a simple gin and tonic. Um, I know that my father will not be happy to hear that I'm drinking <laughs> gin and tonics. But I do have a very good stash of Foursquare Rum when I just want to drink something uh, neat. So I'm, I'm set for a couple months on Foursquare Rum, for sure. <laughs> I love how your dad always, like, it's very important to him that you and Victoria, your sister, are your own people and you don't feel overly pressured and da-da-da-da-da, but also is like, you're drinking a gin and tonic. Like, I can already hear him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he'd just be shaking his head, face palming. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, the thing, the, the thing that probably will hurt him the most is I've been doing a lot of work uh, with the vodka brands uh, Bellier. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but that's the beauty of working at Bellier is I've had the opportunity to to work across so many different spirits, so many brands, and really build a knowledge across all spirits and not just on rum. So, and I, and even then, I wouldn't even class myself as being highly knowledgeable on rum, even now i think i still there's a lot more to learn um in all spirit categories because a lot of people think i'm some sort of rum expert and i'm like i know a little probably more than the average person but i'm not an expert yeah yeah your skills are definitely i love talking to you about business and ideas and you know like the real themes of business you know like i remember us having a really great conversation about how rum sales in the U.S. are flat, but if you look at the internal data, you know, the big, large volume brands are losing percentages and what it's being made up by these small, independently held, you know, boutique crafted brands. I mean, that's a huge phenomenal shift of opportunity in the market that you would never see if you just saw like, oh, well, rum sales are flat. You know, or like rum sales are going really high up in this one region of the world. But like, what type of rum is it? Is it volume-based rum from, you know, from the Caribbean or is it from the Philippines? You know, what, what type of rum is it? Where is it from? What does it mean? Like getting into the nitty gritty of business. And, and I think that's where I love really chatting with you, um, you know, even more so than just about 
you know, childhood growing up in Barbados at a rum distillery, uh, which is still always fun to talk to you about. Um, And then of course, yeah, Vellier, like, uh, I think people in different spirits categories think of Vellier as different things. Uh, You know, some people will confuse in the U.S. market, they'll think Kate Perry works for Foursquare just because we're all really close. And because Vellier does some bottlings of Foursquare, you know, I, I think it can be hard for people to maybe see like all it is that Vellier does outside of the rum world. And for me, you know, when I was visiting last time and Luca was pulling out his Mezcal bottles, um, it really touched my heart to see the faces of the producer on the bottle. And I think this is true of, you know, the Claren as well. I get asked about these products a lot and, you know, what does it mean when someone else brings their product in? And, you know, something that's so important for me is the producer is on the bottle, their name, who they are. So, you know, Luca has a relationship with these people. He is centering the maker in all of this. And it also means that, you know, if he has an issue with a producer, he can't just like turn around and, you know, buy from someone else who will give it to him cheaper because he's got to explain himself. If, you know, Soju were to disappear from the name of, you know, his Claren bottle, people would ask questions. And so it's his centering and bringing forward the people who do the labor to make it. And, you know, I really so appreciate that across, you know, the Mezcal line and also the Claren rum line. And I think, you know, people don't always get a lot of time to see the real Luca. You know, there's, there's the incredible showman that is Luca, that is just an entertainment masterpiece to watch at a seminar or an event. But the real Luca, who is so passionate about the workers and the artisans and making sure the right people are cared for, you know, I, I, um, I overheard, I got to mention this in another rum podcast, but I heard someone asking him about the strikes in Haiti and was he going to get his rum? And he was like, oh, it's really troubling. We're having some stock issues, but ultimately I stand with the people of Haiti. You know, that's just what he says in a private meeting when no one's listening and, or I'm secretly listening in. Uh, Yeah, that's just who he is. And I think that, you know, I wish more people got to see that Luca and I understand it's hard and he's, he's uh, out doing his thing in the world. Um, but I do think you guys get an incredible opportunity to sell so many really unique products. And, you know, I'm, of course, very happy to be partnering with uh, you and Luca and, Habit- and Vellier on um, Habitacion 100% pot-stilled unaged rum. So that rum's rested in stainless steel. And it's going to be, uh, we sent samples to Luca to try at different proofs and mm-hmm. he selected the proof. It's really great that, you know, I always talk about co-creation in our business. We do a lot of co-creation where, you know, I brought cask samples to Luca for the Habitacion and he said, I like this. I don't like this. This is what I'd like it to be. Okay, go home and make me a blend, you know, and we co-create it together. Um, so there'll be an aged Habitacion coming out and then also, in that tasting, he found something he truly fell in love with, and he, you know, really took his time to consider how he felt, and we're so proud and so excited that he wanted to do one of the um, Vita de Pere de Seto. Did I say that correctly, Christian? Can you pronounce it properly? <laughs> no, I, I, it's uh, the, the Vita Pere di Seto, and that's actually a very special bottling that you're doing there. Yeah, because- I so honored because you guys are changing offices, correct? 
Yes. So, I mean, Bellier, I, think, I, I may be wrong with this one, but I think Bellier has been at Villa Perniceto for almost 35 years. So this is kind of a very big emotional move. There's a lot of people who have been with the company since the, they moved to Villa Perniceto. And uh, so everyone was, unfortunately, because of the, the virus, we had to get rushed out. Um, and we were supposed to have a little bit more time. So there was some emotional goodbyes as we were like leaving early from uh, the office. And then we haven't even been able to see the new one. So what Luca wanted to do was kind of have these tribute bottles uh, from very, very special liquids to as a tribute to the Villa. Um, and that's where the privateer uh, Villa Paradiseto bottling will be uh, coming from. Yeah, it means so much. Like having been to that office, knowing that's been his home for so long, knowing that he had this vision for authentic spirits so ahead of the curve and, and that's where he built that out of. It's, it's really, it's incredible to be a small part of that and, and witness this transition to your guys's new offices, which are really incredible. I mean, it's just this beautiful castle fortress with these incredible <laughs> panoramic views and organic garden for all of the employees to have their gardening plots and yeah we talk a little bit about the new offices yeah so when you came to visit did you was there was still a little bit under construction it was very much under construction yeah. uh, but we donned our hard hats uh, and made our way up in and through and all the way to the top of the building Okay, so you kind of saw it probably when it was just the finishing touches for like the structure and then they were finishing up the downstairs at that point. So I was lucky enough to go two weeks ago. Uh, we had kind of our first meeting. I mean, in the building, it still wasn't finished at the time, but like the upstairs meeting room, uh, which is like in the attic, is absolutely incredible. And then it's like he's taken his old mixology room, which was essentially a room filled with every single bottle at Valier across the walls. And it was kind of like all this eclectic uh, lounge furniture, like tiki inspired, like tropical inspired. And he's put that upstairs in a very sophisticated way. And it's like the big meeting table, big long wooden uh, table. And it was really, really exciting. And the views is incredible. So we moved a little bit out of the city and we're kind of more in like a little suburb of Genoa. But when you go to the very top of the spiral tower, where we're gonna put like a little small bar at the very, very tip top, you can see all along the coast, almost all the way to France, and like all the way down south towards Rome. And in the summer, it's just gonna be incredible. So I'm very much looking forward to, to working and to getting to that new office when this quarantine is finished, or I'm really hoping it's finished soon because the summer is starting. Um, <laughs> And the whole concept of what Luca was trying to do, especially, is he wanted to go there so that we can work outside. So we, he doesn't want everyone to be cooped up inside of an office. He wants them to be like, if you need to do a phone call, go out into the garden, or if you need to have, think of some ideas, walk through down the pathway here or go somewhere else. So the whole office has been built and designed to inspire creativity. Yeah, I just think that's so incredible how much he thinks about yeah the design and what does it foster and and what does it bring up and what does it stir and and how does it because i should say he he designed the whole layout internally and like the whole there's a whole extension added his office so he's been building that office step side by side with the architect from day one 
of course. It's so classic. I love that. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the big mixology bar. You guys have, you know, a bartender in-house who, he's so much more than a bartender, but is one of the best tasters I've ever gotten to taste with. And so clear and direct and honest with his feedback. I mean, it just means so much. Like, I, I really did appreciate about that my whole visit. You know, Luca is very poetic and very feeling. And I love that he came in and sat down and was like, okay, this is exactly how I feel about this one. And this is how it's striking me. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys have a really great culture there. And it's, it's really beautiful. And I love how holistic it is. And to me, it's, you know, it's so Italian. Um, and other quirks about Luca, I love how every cab driver in that town knows him and knows him by name. And, uh, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like he's just so of the people. Uh, and I love that, you know, I'm lucky enough that in my community I come across a number of people from Haiti or Haitians. And it's funny, sometimes we'll get to talking and, you know, I'll talk about rum and his name will come up or I'll say I work in rum and they'll be like, do you know Luca? And I'm like, yeah, like it's so surprising to me. He's so, he's so of, of just everyday people. He's so down to earth. Um, you know, and he, I wouldn't be, I would be like, I am this esoteric wild artist, you know, and he's so down to earth. Um, so recounting one of my favorite stories with um, you, me, and Luca uh, was that meal. What town did we, we drove over a mountain to go have a meal. What was the name of that town? Oh dear. I believe I am going to. No worries know. if you have to defer. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know exactly where, where we went. And it was, we were okay, yes. We went to La Bagna. Okay. It was amazing. We hopped in Luca's car um, and his partner, she drove us out to lunch. I've never eaten so much food in my life. Um, it was like bordering on like testing my limits. <laughs> I was like, I was like, these are my limits. We had so much wine and I so appreciate Luca's partner being so careful about, um, she had like a little dump cup beside her in the booth so that she wasn't imbibing too much. And I like so respected that. I really appreciated being in her care. Uh, and at one point she even looked over at me and she's like, are you too full? And I was like, I am way too full. And she like kind of hinted at Luca to like, hey, wrap it up. Like, let's not order an 18th course, uh, which of course like only went so far with him. Uh, and we had this huge meal. We had that cake that he poured like half a bottle of Hamden rum on. Um, it was amazing. We got back in his car and I'm like, okay, phew, I can go back to my hotel and lay down. No, 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 no. We drive over this, you know, to a gelato shop and we get gelato. <laughs> and he's like, you have to try this, you know, pistachio from Sicily. This is the best gelato. It's the best gelato you're going to get. It's better than all the other gelato. I know you love sweets. Let's do this. So I order this like neon green gelato and then a scoop of like, you know, super dark chocolate. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can, I can eat this. This is going to be all right. And then he's like, oh, we'll get in the car. And so we're in his car. It has all white upholstery and I'm holding this neon green and chocolate ice cream. I'm very drunk. I'm very full. And I just <laughs> white knuckling 
that ice cream. Like, Maggie, do not spill this ice cream in this guy's really nice car. Like, I just remember that being like one of my highest pressure performances of my life, being like, Maggie, hold it together and eat this ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was a, that was a, that was an adventure. Uh, cause it was for me as well. It was the first time kind of doing like a, that going to the Vanya and that restaurant. Uh, but I think it really shows where Luca's priorities are in the sense that he's always looking for the highest quality ingredients, the most, he's always trying to return to that, the raw food aspect of it. So he doesn't want any, you know, adjusted, no chemicals. He wants a classically made meal, a fish that was caught 10 minutes ago. He doesn't want any frozen junk. It needs to be fresh. It needs to be untouched. Um, and so that's kind of his philosophy. And so that restaurant where we went, we had some of the freshest fish I've ever tasted as well. Uh, and then, yeah, so Lucas partner had the dump cut, but I did not have a dump cut. <laughs> so I was probably just as drunk as you too. <laughs> I you remember you, you turned to me and you were like, you were like, do you feel okay getting in the car? I know we've been drinking. And I was like, oh, she's been dumping out her wine. And you were like, oh, thank God. And I so appreciated that. You know, like when you travel as a brand, you're in the hands of the people you go and visit. And you, you never know, like, how wild is this going to be? What's the expectation? Do they think I'm going to party all night? Is someone going to be creepy? You know, and you were so polite and took such good care of me. And that's where like the hospitality comes from. Like you were even thoughtful enough to ask like, hey, do you feel safe right now? You know, what is your situation? And I just, so that like, it struck me. I'm like, oh, you're, you're like the seal's son. You're such a polite gentleman. I was like, I feel good. Thanks for checking in. Um, and I really, really appreciated that. But yeah, that day was an adventure. Those like winding, twisting mountain roads. It was, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, but then the ice cream, the gelato place he took you to, I would say, I'll say is probably one of the best gelaterias in, uh, in Genoa. And why it's special is because they use like the, I, the, the DOP, IGP, uh, like, um, lost the word now, the, essentially like, the geographic, like, IG, like a GI, like a GI for almonds or pistachios and for this particular like milk. And so they were making gelatos with this like, super premium uh, high quality ingredients and yeah no, it was probably one of the best uh, for me i still that's where i take people for gelatos luca introduced it to me <laughs> i love it i love it the essential nature getting down to the essentialness of what it is you're experiencing it's like you know when i think about like what is a masterpiece of literature it's like there's not any extra words every word that is in there is needed. It's, it's exactly as it should be. And I think I see that a lot with Luca looking for, I want the most beautiful fish that just gets a little lemon and a little olive oil and a little salt. And that's it. Cause it doesn't need anything else. It's, it's that essential raw, like you said, the raw material. Um, it's so vital to him. And it's something that, you know, it's so great to see in a partner that we're working with, you know, for me, I sent over the, a lot of the technical information about these Habitation releases, like so much technical detail. And it was so appreciated and, and people had questions about them. Um, and you know, that's, that's not common in our world, especially in distribution. So it just really meant so much um, to be working with partners like you guys and having these wild adventures and sharing these moments. I love that 
you know, we really had to share a meal before we could any discuss any business at all. Uh, and I just really value that. And it's something I'm really excited, not just to know you and know your family, but also to get to work with you and the company that you're in. Um, it's always been like a real joy and it makes me happy because we get to spend more time together. So as soon as this situation clears up and we're in recovery, we're doing Cinque Terre. We're going to go sit <laughs> on the beach and walk the streets, go find the secret hidden chocolate shops, and we're going to have a really good time. So absolutely, absolutely. better days. <laughs> no, that's the other thing too, right? Even in this situation, you need to be, you have to keep that as the thing you're looking forward to. So I, I in my head, I know it's going to be longer, but it's always like, you know, okay, if everybody can just pull together and we hold out for these two months, it'll get better and we can start flying wherever we want to go. We can go back to the bars and we can get back to enjoying ourselves. And I'm actually most excited for, for when this is over because I think for Italians here, it's going to be a mad dash to get back to the bar to do that aperitivo. And I think everybody wants it to be done as soon as possible so we can still enjoy it in the summer because in the summer, it's incredible. Everybody's outside. The temperature is perfect. It's gonna be a madhouse when this when this is all over. Yeah, I think about you know when I finally get to see my friends again, and we get to have that first hug um, for each one, each person. It's gonna be really powerful. I would give a lot to be able to hug my friends right yeah. now, and I know that. It's only going to continue. So I'm wishing you the absolute best. Thank you so much uh, for being here and spending time with us and sharing your perspective, um, talking about, you know, what's going on in the world and then also spending some time talking about other things. It, it helps us all stay sane. So thank you so much. No, thank you for inviting me, Maggie. So it's, always, it's my first time doing a podcast. And so I, it was definitely a pleasure doing it with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I would only end with the on my side just being like i think this is quarantine has given us a new perspective and i think everybody should really you know appreciate that what we had in the past and that as you say just hugging people and seeing people face to face is a very valuable thing um and i understand agree with that absolutely well you take care stay safe precious cargo and <laughs> uh and i'll talk to you soon no worries. Thank you very much, Maggie. Talk to you soon. See you in soon in general, too. See you soon, face to face. Oh, it'll be good. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you all for spending your time with us today. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Christian. We've got more technical and detailed podcasts coming up for you, too and some exciting interviews. So feel free to keep in contact, keep your questions coming. You can reach us at Privateer Rum on Instagram, and my personal handle is at Half Pint Maggie. So please join us next time. Stay safe in this difficult and scary time. You are precious cargo.